Yeah, that's yeah. perfect. Also, I shaved today into a mustache so that you could tell the difference between Tony and I. Yeah, I, I didn't Yeah, because my life fell apart uh, today. Yeah. <laughs> one, 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 of you, one of you has glasses and the other one doesn't. <laughs> Welcome back to the podcast, everyone. This is Good Morning Toy World, your source for semi-premium adult-related toy content. I'm your host with the most, your ghost with the most, your one and only pepperoni. Joining me, as always, via satellite, the daddy of Diaclone, Tony. And we have with us a special guest. Did you want to introduce yourself, special guest? Hello, my name is Corey. I work under the name Science Patrol. I am a Tokyo-based Japanese soft vinyl producer, designer, and everything guy that's a that's me <laughs> that's a pretty good uh resume no my <laughs> resume sucks <laughs> had to had to I, I almost said flee the country that's not how you introduce someone oh my god <laughs> change countries to start a new company that's it's good stuff i my timing was impeccable because america turned to Whoa. shit the second i left you're the subject zero nice no we had a few you had a few years of obama oh, left okay. before uh oh, wh- when did you move to japan we're just jumping in with questions already 2013 or 2014 i can't remember it's either the end of 2013 or the very beginning of 2014 okay. Okay. Yeah, I think that, like, a lot of uh, what attracts people to certain creators is this, like, sort of parasocial aspect where there's, Mm. like, this internet relationship and then there's, like, gratification and not just, like, purchasing toys and or purchasing art or supporting an artist, but also, like, kind of getting to know them. So, like, we're going to grill you now for your your origin story. Wouldn't it be really messed up if I was, like, right-winger or something like that? I was super conservative. You're like, well, I just want to say I'm pretty impressed with everything that's happening right now in the States. It's the, it's the revolution that America needed. Yeah, I won't be using the term false flag or anything like that this entire conversation. I no, probably think you. That's a major departure from our, our last guest. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah those, those, king, those king hideous boys, they uh, really like... No, I'm, I'm not going to increase... That's... That's a joke. They're good boys, too. <laughs> They're so nice. <laughs> They're the best. So where in the uh, where in the States did you grow up? So I grew up in Buffalo, New York. Actually, a suburb of Buffalo called Tonawanda. Okay. Uh, there's there's nothing there. And I've been to Buffalo, The only thing we had... Oh, I'm talking like in Tonawanda, like sub-Buffalo. <laughs> there is nothing there. We have like the Erie Canal. That's like our claim to fame. And I guess in Band of Brothers, the television show, one of the regiments is from Tonawanda specifically. Oh, okay. that's kind of, that sounds like a thing to put on a building. Other than that, there was nothing to do. So, like, did you guys have a Blockbuster and, like, a Pizza Hut, though? We had a Blockbuster, but we did not have a Pizza Hut. And growing up, like, we didn't have the money for Pizza oh. Hut. We'd go to, like, local places. Local places were always better, though, in Buffalo. There's something to be said for, like, small town pizza joints and small town pizza joints that are like micro chains where like two of them exist in the entire universe mm-hmm. the chain we had uh this isn't pizza but it's uh bastardized western tacos is a place called mighty taco that i don't think exists outside of western new york 
and like the greater Buffalo area. But that's like the thing that you'd see the one and you thought it was just a one off, but then it's actually a very small chain huh. of them. Hell yeah. <laughs> so so not a lot to do in New York. Um what nope. um what sort of how did how did your path lead you to where you are now, doing what you do now? Like how did you how does one become just some kid in upstate New York to somebody uh living kind of an eccentric and interesting life like what you do now so growing up i was always obsessed with playing video games not to like an anti-social level like i always was out and doing stuff but all of my at-home free time was always playing video games and i obsessed over a lot of the japanese rpgs like final fantasy 6 was big at the time chrono trigger uh, Secret of Evermore, and then we had a PlayStation Two, uh, PlayStation One, so it was like uh, Star Ocean, Final Fantasy, and I just became obsessed with Japanese games. So I always dreamed of like going to Japan, but it was one of those things where it's like, oh, I'm gonna go to Japan. At the same time, I was also uh, into Ultraman and a lot of anime and stuff, and just that whole world of like all this cool shit exists in Japan. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna visit there one day, and then as I got older. Uh, out of high school, I had moved to Boston. Uh, I ended up going to basic training and getting sent to Boston to operate out of a, uh, a healthcare organization that was like for people who had got injured overseas and they couldn't go back to their normal careers within the military. We helped transition them and get them healthcare within the community. So that put me into Boston. And Boston was even more links to all like the Japanese stuff that I was into. And then I started realizing later when I was about halfway through my contract at the army and going to college that, oh, I could realistically live there one day, but what could I possibly do in Japan? And about this time, I was starting to collect uh, independent soft vinyl. Uh, I used to collect the Ultraman, like the the Bandai Ultra Monsters, the mass-produced uh, Bandai, yeah, like, Sofabi. <laughs> I see you're, you're getting a sample guy. And they're fantastic. Uh, yeah, 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 that stuff. So they, those actually used to be made in Japan back in the 90s and before that. And I forget what year it was where they shipped it all off to well, China. Well, this one's uh, but, 2013 is when they made it in China. Yeah. It might have been like early 2000s when they transitioned them to China. The Chinese ones are great. Like I, I think the quality is still fantastic and I still collect some of them. But they got a lot smaller though because uh, if does that one have the hexagon print? Yeah, on the with foot? like the glob of glue to keep the sticker there. Forever? The monster spark or whatever they call it. It's those were used as henshin devices for Ultraman yeah. Ginga. You would tap them on this henshin like thing, and that is a, what allowed the uh, the bad guy to summon the monsters. And then they have like an Ultraman one that does the same thing. And they never updated the sculpt; they just stopped putting the uh, the NFC stickers oh. or whatever on the feet. Oh, interesting. But uh, I started collecting uh, independent stuff at that time, and the first thing I'd ever collected, I can see them on your back shelf, is the real head uh, Cyclops Maneki Neko. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Hell yeah. I had gotten uh, one of the 8-inch ones, or whatever, the, the larger size mm-hmm. ones, on eBay, I think, for... It was, in retrospect, like, it's it was incredibly cheap, but I thought it was insanely expensive. It was like 40 bucks. Oh my goodness, wow. 40 bucks. <laughs> yeah, those, those things are like $400, $300 at Mandarake now. Yeah. And when I got it, I was just obsessed with, like, where did this thing come from? What company makes this? What's real mm-hmm. head? And I couldn't find a lot of information on it. Eventually, I discovered, like, it's one dude who's doing this. 
and became obsessed with, like, you can make toys and started looking up all these independent makers, collecting a lot of the independent Japanese makers, mainly Real Head and some Secret Base uh, and Skull Toys, and just kept thinking, like, if all these guys are doing it, like, they must be these amazing industry artists, or they must be, like, they must own factories, or they must know all these people. And then they're just, like, super normal dudes. They're, like, yeah, they're just like me. Right. Like, obviously with a lot more years in the industry, but they're just just a dude with an idea that and a lot of them don't sculpt their own stuff they just come up with a concept or like they draw the idea and then they get it sculpted so all these things these barriers that i thought existed uh for toy production it turned out didn't exist and then i kept thinking like oh this is a thing i could realistically do if i actually like sat down i, I don't have any artistic background whatsoever really? i was i've always been creative but i've never been an artist of any type so realizing that you can kind of circumvent some of these issues with, like, hiring a sculptor or learning how to do wax or paint and all that stuff. Uh, I then realized, like, it was a possibility. Ended up uh, sending a prototype to get made from a producer in Japan. Uh, and then while I was waiting for it to get produced, I just decided one day to quit my job, leave my girlfriend, and go and live in Japan with the intent of being a, a toy producer. And then my timing was amazing. The person that was producing the toy for me needed an apprentice, took me on after interviewing me very briefly, and I learned all the wax production stuff through them, and then through all the other people I met in the industry here, learned every other step of the process. Oh, so did you did you learn to speak Japanese while you were like at university or college or...? Oh, hell no. <laughs> I, I, everything I learned uh, for Japanese, I learned just talking to people here. So you I learned the tried... hard way? <laughs> the hardest way? Yeah. I learned the lazy way where I, I'm not an academic person whatsoever. I did finish college, but I don't remember any of it. And I never wanted to, I dropped out of grad school to like, go work at a children's hospital and then while I was working there I went back to grad school and then is that's when I decided to quit everything and move to Japan so in that sense I'm a dropout because I never really liked academia it just felt like a slip of paper and you get social experience but I'm not going to need any of this stuff in my future if I what I want to do is making toys and then I had quickly realized oh I really should have probably gone and learned Japanese while I was in school. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, th I guess that's the detriment of it being, like, a last-minute yeah, decision. you're learning on the job. That's the, the best way to do it. I feel like your yeah, story I, is, I learned like real the, fast. Um, it's kind of like the nerd, um, J Japanophile version of, like, I'm going to go to Hollywood and be an actress. Like, it's like, I, fuck yeah. it, I'm just going to go to Japan and do whatever I want to do. It's going to be fine. Don't worry about it. Yeah, but, like... It actually worked I thankfully out avoided you. any black couch auditions, Ooh. though. <laughs> well, so you're telling mm -hmm. us now, at least. So. <laughs> yes. It was really insanely good timing. I have no idea how I, I... I can't take credit for any of these stars aligning. It wasn't... The initial part of it wasn't hard work or planning or anything the it was kind of stupid to come here with this insane dream and if it wasn't for that person needing an apprentice i probably would have been much slower to start or i may never have actually gotten off the ground because i wouldn't have had a link to anything else hmm. right so it was just insanely yeah, good just timing pure... after that it was all the the hard work and this is pure luck yeah it was just insane luck i have no idea the guy had just fired his oh, apprentice wow. 
to what do yeah. you have to do to be banished from like the Safubi wizard society? Like how do you uh, sleep while you're supposed to be working and spend the entire time that you're supposed to be setting up molds or doing wax work or learning how to do any of this stuff, uh, heating up oil clay and repurposing it so you can make mold barriers again when you could uh, essentially just buy oil clay for insanely cheap at the store. <laughs> hmm. Yeah. Huh, well then. Um, so for the, those, the, the people that may not know your background in history what was that first toy that you produced what was that prototype that you sent off it was this thing called obake koban and a thing called Manochochin. it's these two incredibly simple finger puppets one of them is a lantern based on a uh a like a chochin bakemono like a japanese yokai it's a thing called a skumogami it's a like a sentient living uh, inanimate object that, after a hundred years of existence, uh, on the hundredth year of its life, it, or its existence, it comes to life. And it can either be benevolent or malevolent, depending on how it was treated. Uh, it was one of those as a lantern, and one of those as a oh, coin. Cool. And, yeah, yeah, very, very low, and I, I'm not trying to be self-deprecating, but they were very low effort, <laughs> but they were also, like, they worked, my whole mentality was I wanted to make stuff that was inexpensive that I could make a bunch of. And these are like simple little finger puppets. I sold them. I think they were 500 yen each or so like five bucks. And they looked cool. Like after the paint was applied, like the coin looked like a big old coin. And the uh, lantern more or less looked like a lantern. And yeah, I sent those guys off. That That's actually really cool. Because <laughs> speaking of like weird video game history and like also kind of being into like japanese culture and i guess like the occult culture there that just totally reminds yeah. me of like one of the enemies from mario 2 in the halloween zone there's like a bunch of those lanterns oh. that like jam their tongues down to hurt you and stuff like that um so mm -hmm. you also seem to be pretty into like i guess kind of the the occult or the more spooky side of Japanese culture, like I'm into Eastern and Western occult stuff. I think it's all super fascinating. I'm not gonna go Alistair Crowley no, no, and just... start like trying to make the moon <laughs> child, but uh, I think it's all incredibly cool, fascinating. Cool. Yeah, that's fair. And so you made your you made your first your first two toys, and. Hmm. When was it that you? These were just the prototypes. They were just the Sculpey prototypes okay. that I had sent off to okay. be. Made. And so, did they ever get fully produced as, as Sofubi pieces? Yep. Uh, the person I had sent them to produce them, the person I had sent them to to produce, uh, took a snooze on them for uh, a while. So I ended up in the end just doing it myself <laughs> after I learned how to do it. From oh him. no! <laughs> yeah. oh, so the the prototypes sat for too long. And they they eventually got produced. Yeah. And when did you um, when did you start initially seeing success with the toys that you were making? Like, did you find like a local audience that really appreciated it, or did it become more um, just popular online and then more of a global audience? So I initially I produced those two toys and I had done the wax and gotten them. Uh, 
to the point where I can get them turned into a toy mold. But at the same time, I was thinking, hey, now that I'm here and I don't need to send anything, I want to make a larger thing as well to kind of make like a set of three things I can debut with. And that's when I made this uh, hat character named Avalon that kind of looks like a, a purple dildo that's floating. Uh, it's supposed to be a hat. It's not my best work. But uh, I stand by that initial colorway that it looks nice. pretty good. Uh, I had made him at the same time and sent them all off to be molded, uh, basically metal plated and turned into a, like a toy mold. And my debut event was Super Festival in 2014, I believe. It was my first uh, actual event where I had toys. And... No one gave too much of a shit about the hat. Like, <laughs> oh no! <laughs> like the, people liked the original. The original colorway did really well. The secondary colorway, no one cared about. It was like a a more lavender color. It was supposed to be like a more Wrong effeminate version of, of it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, they didn't really like that one. Uh, but the lanterns and the coins did really well. A because they were cheap, and B I spent an insane amount of time painting a ton of them. Pretty damn oh, well. Yeah. Okay. <clears throat> uh, I think it was Common Rider Drive might have debuted, or some Common Rider series had just started, and I had done the colorways based on certain things from that show, and people immediately, uh, Japanese customers immediately knew what they were, and like they did really well. But uh, internationally, it was kind of a slow start. Uh, initially, I had trouble getting stock. Like, I would put in orders for, hey, I need this many of this thing, and I wouldn't get it for months. And I wouldn't get any updates for months. And I just had, like, the dregs of what was left over at the Japanese show. So I didn't really do too great the initial debut on uh, online. Oh, damn, that sucks. But I guess that's kind of yeah, kind of how it goes. I feel like a lot of Sophie stuff is usually, like, an in-person type of experience. Um, I know there's a yeah. lot of people that do sell online, but like it's like, you have to be at the festival, you have to be at the show, you gotta be like then and there, or else you're hooped. And a lot of times people don't even really mm -hmm. realize like, oh, this colorway was from this show. Like I'm very new. Oh, I'm a weird Sufubi collector because I'm mostly used to like those older kaiju toys myself. Um, okay. Like, that's kind of mm -hmm. what I, like, always collected when I was younger, even by accident. Like, I had a couple of the Bullmark uh, Godzilla stuff, and I was just like, cool, they're monster toys, that's rad. I just, I got really lucky with getting them. And then, so, kind of coming into, like, the newer, like, the stuff that you guys make, <laughs> it's like this whole other beast that I'm like, I, I I'm familiar with the... The groundwork, but it's a whole new wheelhouse for me, <laughs> so. Yeah, it, for a lot of people that used to collect the older stuff or collect Godzilla or Ultraman stuff, the transition to independent Sufabee is either they never make it or it's like a <laughs> slow one because you, you're used to licensed characters. Oh, I, I collect Godzilla, I collect Jet Jaguar, I collect Hedora, I collect a, a very specific character or a couple of characters, and then seeing like, oh, well, what is this thing? What, what is Cranston? Like, this is stupid. Like, it's a, it's a, you know, it's a character I've never heard of. It has no history to it. 
And making that jump to, oh, I'm going to buy this thing is hard. It's when people like Max Toy and stuff, uh, you see they do licensed mm-hmm. characters. That's kind of a bridge for those collectors where now they collect this. And, oh, now I kind of appreciate this. Like, this toy is really good. Like, again, Max Toy, for example, is fantastic quality. They make amazing toys. And you see, like, oh, I collect Kanagon. Uh, their Kanagon's really good. Uh, they have all these other toys that are their own characters. It's the same quality as this Kanagon that I like. I'm going to buy this other thing. And that kind of, like, I don't want to use the term indoctrinates, <laughs> but, like, that gets these people on board for some independent producers. Everyone's different, but I see a lot of the uh, the Western, like, grew up with classic uh, uh, kaiju Safavi and stuff transitioning to... Uh, either independent makers that make just licensed stuff or that do kind of both and it being like a bridge to the independent world well, you've, you've done a couple uh, licensed ultraman Safabees, right F- yeah. finally <laughs> <laughs> yeah it, it, it took a while but i wanted to approach a lot of people when they get the license they uh like they get it through like uh like a larger producer and they have to work with them and a lot of times there's, like, kind of steep fees or weird restrictions. Right. You have to, like, go through a gatekeeper to go through a gatekeeper to go to the company. I got super lucky, and I, I cold emailed Super Ryan. Oh, nice. <laughs> and I'm like, I really want to make a thing. And the guy knew who I was. So he then immediately uh, hooked me up with a licensor. And they, now all I have to do is email them directly, and then they're like, yep, we'll get it approved, or like, oh, we'll check with Super Aya right now. It's been super straightforward. Oh, that's amazing. So you seem to be the luckiest person yeah, uh, we've ever it. had on this <laughs> show. Uh, <laughs> no, no I'm, I'm definitely not the luckiest. Uh, still for like a cold email, like, yeah, kind of like fanboy emailing, like, hey, can I make a toy? And then being like, hell yeah, we're big fans of you. Like, that's... That's pretty cool. It took him four months for a Okay, play. well, it sounded like it was a next day thing, but... Uh, <laughs> yeah. Still, that's rad, though. The fact that... It took like, him... Yeah, I was I was shocked. I thought for sure I was getting ghosted or ignored. I didn't expect a reply, because it's, it's Super Aya Productions. It's Ultraman, it's Gridman, it's all of these shows. Shit, you know. But the, the, guy, the guy had known me from Super Festival, had heard my name before, and he swung by, introduced himself, and then was going to come by later that day at Super Festival uh, to basically, like, talk to me again, but I never saw him again after that that day, and I thought I was getting ghosted. It turned out that he had to show around an actress that was in one of the earlier oh. Ultra shows, I think maybe Ultra oh, wow. 7. She was, like, a special guest, and he was the uh, the acting supporter for it. So he emailed me the next day and was like, yeah, I was going to talk to you about stuff, but we're just, I just decided to give you the license anyway. <laughs> nice. <laughs> I was like, thank you so much, man. So yeah, right now it's the two, but I'm working on another two that'll eventually be coming out. And it's all the same size formats. I based it on Justin Ishmael's uh, smaller uh, cool. format, like the Cyclops from Sinbad and uh, his other characters. Like, that size format's really good, so I'm keeping everything that nice. size format. I, I can't remember the name of the monster, uh, but it's the, the the dude with the red cloak and the kind of scythe hand. Nova, oh, Nova. There we go. Uh, I have, yeah. like, the small, like, mass retail release of that. Um, and mm. I just found it randomly in a, a used Japanese shop in Vancouver, and was just like, I don't know what this is. It looks Ultraman- it's cost not lots, and we'll pick it up. 
So when I saw you doing that, he's so, he's so weird. weird. I'm like, is he a ghost? Is he a clansman? Mm-hmm. What's going on? Uh, but like, <laughs> that's that's more common than you would oh, expect to it to be in Japanese. I mean, shows. Starfish Hitler was a thing, so yeah. Look up the. I think it's either Die Shocker or Shocker Emperor or General. I can't remember. I think it's from Common Rider. Uh, uh, I'm never gonna remember. It's from one of the earlier Rider series. He's just straight up. A oh yeah, yeah. They, they don't give, no shits. <laughs> yeah, the the actual source of it is, I believe, a Spanish uh, uniform for some kind of church really? thing. I I'll look it up later and oh, email yeah, you guys. It? But yeah, it's a very specific. It's like a Spanish costume. Oh, weird. Wow, that's so weird. Yeah. <laughs> so the clan, the clan appropriated. Uh, uh, religious garments. That was what happened. Yeah, I yeah. I'm almost positive it's like either Spanish or Italian, and it's I believe religious. But yeah, it's the source isn't the okay. Plan. All right. Well, hey, I mean the That's bonus. The second you start walking around with a, a hat that pointy, it looks a little something. Yeah. Just. <laughs> yeah, I'm not gonna make that. Yeah. that call. You're not gonna I'm make not gonna that. Mm. So um, you were you were talking about the uh, the attached lore and history of a character um, with certain collectors versus independent collectors and not knowing a thing about what they're making. Is this is this your time to shed a little light on the lore and history of Cranston because he's quickly becoming, as you were telling us, a fan favorite. So uh, Cranston has a very simple history. <laughs> Uh, in the in the 1980s, uh, McDonald's in the United States used to have these amazing stools, like these chairs, that were big old hamburgers yep. with eyes. I literally just made that. <laughs> <laughs> A lot of dude, I had changed some features of it, very little, uh, but I had found out that the Happy Meal Gang and the Hamburger Patch, which are the two, like living food groups that exist in the mcdonald's lore they were never registered in japan oh yeah from uh what i could find under registration stuff for like trademarks only like the iconic images that you see for like ronald and like even though i don't think grimace and them are used in any of the advertising here and i don't think they ever have been the that whole group is licensed but i couldn't find anything about that burger so i see a lot of uh, makers doing things that and this is mainly you see it more in Mm -hmm. china with toys than you do with japan because licenses are really strict here i mean you see a lot of parody clothing here like punk Mm -hmm. drunkers does a lot of parody clothing uh I figured, eh, I've never done a parody thing before. Uh, I just want to see what happens. And if it goes down in flames, it goes down in flames. But, uh, yeah, it worked out really well. (laughs) A lot of people like that hand. I'm fucking in love with Cranston, as is our entire Discord server. Cranston's the man around here. I just... Yeah, I I can't take credit for coming up with it. It's literally that chair. (laughs) It's just that chair. It just transports you back to being a kid waiting outside of a play place with your, like, Beast Wars McDonald's toy in hand. Like, it's just... It's a very visceral-looking experience of a toy. (laughs) I miss those so much. I was looking up 
uh, there's a Twitter that's like unique McDonald's is where they all like are really oh, bizarre yeah. looking. There's I one totally in follow like that, the that Twitter. <laughs> yeah, it's it's awesome. But none of them have the original stuff inside of them, like the the burger themed stuff anymore. I think it all got sold off. Probably, yeah. Oh man, there's someone out there who has their kitchen decked out with those burger stools. <laughs> They're a lucky man. Yep. <laughs> we had a place here that had the the throne made of burgers. Uh, for sale, but it was like two oh. grand. Well, well I mean... <laughs> if, if it was the stool, I would be willing to spend maybe, I think max, if it was like in perfect condition, maybe a thousand bucks, but two grand's kind of It's that boundary, it's that borderline and where you're like, it's at that it, point, yeah. at that point, if you've invested two grand in a burger throne, you, you have to like use the heck out of that throne. Yeah. That throne has to become a central part of your personality. You have to start referring to yourself as some sort of burger royalty. Yeah, but not, like, not Burger King, though. That's yeah. yeah, you can't be the Burger King. Yeah. That's in direct Just conflict like with the, the Earl of Cheese or something. That, that's the reason why I made the, uh, the Cranston thing, though, is because I had looked up, I'd seen uh, back on uh, Justin Ishmael, he owns one of those oh. lamps. He actually bought one of the, I think it's called Set Makers or something like that, the company that made those lamps. He got one. And I was looking up, like, how much are these things? Where can you get them? They're insanely expensive, Mm. but they're sold. Like, you can't get them anymore. So I was thinking, oh, if I find one, I'll buy one, and then I'll just have it. And then it's like, you know what? What if I just make my own? And then I can make, like, a bajillion of them, and I can fill my house with them and have them do whatever I want. Make your own burger So. Yeah. Yep, and yeah. so where does where does the name Cranston origi- originate? It's a really stupid story. Oh, I'm we're all about those here. <laughs> so uh, I play Animal Crossing a lot, as a lot of us did when the uh, the quarantine started. And I was drinking. Uh, my friend uh, Luke from he's a tomaker under the name Chokazard. He had come to Japan with the intent of doing several shows in uh, was it March to oh, May? Yeah, prime and ground yeah, zero. he had gotten an Airbnb for the entire period of time, and he was gonna stay here and do. We had like three or four shows we were doing. They all got canceled, so he just basically hung around and assembled toys and stuff. Uh, we were out drinking one night. We are talking about Animal Crossing and, like, which villagers we wanted. Because even he got into it because we had nothing better right. to do. And I was going through. I'm like, man, that ostrich Cranston's awesome. Like, I'd sacrifice all my villagers <laughs> for Cranston. And then he's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Put it all on Cranston, man. <laughs> and that's where I became obsessed with the name Cranston. And that's why in the bottom of Cranston it says, put it all oh, on Cranston. Oh, nice. Man, that is spectacular. <laughs> It's a really stupid story, but yeah, it was just that conversation that in- re-endeared the name Cranston to me. And it's a weird-ass name. Yeah, it, <laughs> like, is. it makes me think of that British pickle that isn't actually pickle. It's like a like a spread. I think it's called Cranston pr- Pickle. Or is Cranston it Branson Pickle? Pi- it's, it's some weird condiment that's from the UK. And huh. it's... You know what? If it's not called Cranston Pickle, I'm gonna... I'm just gonna fucking leave. I'm just gonna fucking. It might be all. Quit. I'm just gonna quit. All their stuff has really weird names. Yeah. Yeah, like salad cream. Worcestershire sauce. And everything's a pudding for some reason. Yeah. Yeah. It's a. 
Yeah, apparently pudding is just, like, something with more than one ingredient. It's a very, like, liberal term. That's everything. Yeah, yeah, so, <laughs> There's like, nothing everything that has can be one ingredient. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I the remember seeing... that isn't pudding is water. Yeah, mm-hmm. no, well, no, the... the molecules don't count. That's not... No, that's, that's, a, that's a river pudding. Yeah, this is uh, just clear mm, pudding. River pudding. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it's it's hydrogen and oxygen, so okay, all right. It's two ingredients. Yeah, yeah you the know more what? You, the more you think about it, we're all pudding. We're just yes. sentient pudding. <laughs> Makes sense to me. Yeah, it, it confused the hell out of me. I was really confused when uh, I bought a can of spotted dick and got real disappointed <laughs> with the contents. It's like that. It's like if you took sponge candy or something and you reconstituted it with water. Yeah, right? yeah, it's just wet sponge candy with like i think raisins in it maybe oh i hate raisins oh really you're not a raisin yeah i don't know why i I used to love them when i was a kid i loved raisins and fig newtons and bananas and now i hate all three of them oh shit bananas weird me out because like when i eat a banana i'm like oh yeah these are pretty good but like when you like i never was hoping your next toy was gonna be a banana so (laughs) (laughs) no i can't a banana (laughs) named pytro yeah, no, the, Some other the Fortnite animal guys crossing is all over for that. That's, I think Fortnite owns banana people now. Mm. Yeah, sorry about that. Yeah. But, um, cool. So you also, speaking of the deep lore of the Science Patrol, there's a, the, another uh, thing that's engraved in most of the bottoms of your toys. What's, uh, what's the story with Alvin? So, Alvin is a good friend of mine. We knew each other He's back a in cherished Boston. Friend. Yes, or a celebrated uh, we, friend. Celebrated friend. Sorry. Yes, a celebrated <laughs> friend. We've known each other for over a decade. Uh, when I was living in Boston, he worked at a video game company that made mobile games. They did the game Field Runners and a few other games for phones. Uh, mainly like tower defense type games, um. but he also was doing independent production for his own projects. He had uh, visited Japan. We used to go to Penny Arcade Expo, oh, nice. which is a big video game convention together. And I met him at a similar event. We were heading to a, a concert for a band called Anamanaguchi that's like <laughs> chiptune music. That and that's where I met Alvin. Before... We bonded over knowing what uh, Persona was nice. because it was back before Persona was really popular. Okay, okay. So it was really weird finding someone that knew anything about it other than me. Because all the tattoos on my left arm are more or less Persona. Oh, rad. Okay, cool. Yeah, they're all like Personas or like uh, art from the Shimigami Tensei universe. So you got like a Mara on you? uh, I have a Mara up here, but I changed the head to not be a penis. It's now like a tumor thing. (laughs) Oh, cool. Okay. Instead of a penis, it's now Alan. (laughs) Yeah. Oh god, like that would be unforgivable. I can't get an Alvin tattoo. <laughs> That's on my list of things I absolutely cannot do. <laughs> but uh, we became really good friends. Uh, he had visited Japan, uh, I forget when, maybe 2011 or something like that, and then ended up like moving there immediately after okay. at a game company. And then a year or so after that, or maybe two, two years after that, I had gone. Uh, and basically followed the same path of like leaving the u.s and going to work in japan but uh yeah we've been friends here we share an office here we are constantly either playing video games with each other or just hanging out his office is in the town i live in and he lives near akihabara so when i go drinking at akihabara like he's just super close by oh hell yeah that's awesome 
And uh, he one day wants to make a Sophobi of some, one of the characters from one of his video games, but as of right now, they're still planning. It's been like a many years thing that he's been putting off. Is he going to put your face on the bottom of it? <laughs> no, like it's, I, it's I've always been fair. wanting him to do some sort of like revenge towards me, but he has <laughs> never taken the opportunity. And I've done everything. I've done everything short of making a, a plush album that you can have with you. <laughs> Is always next year. Well, you you've been kind of uh, you I don't want to say you've been kind of reclusive on your mm-hmm. on your socials, but only recently it's like, oh hey, that's you in there. Uh, so, oh, I mean, with Alvin or no, no, like you just in general you, oh. as a as a Corey. Um, oh yeah, yeah. So it's yeah. I was trying to make it more about toys and less about me, but then I realized a lot of people actually enjoy me as well. So. Yeah, you got, again, that there parasocial <laughs> uh, thing, right? You gotta, mm. gotta jump on that. Mm-hmm. So, I think a lot of uh, collectors have this sort of fantasy of being, like, a maker, and there's almost, like, a, a, a fetishization or, like a, like, a fascination with, like, the, like, nitty-gritty hands-on, like, being the one who's uh, actually pulling toys from the molds. And I guess what I'm building up to is what would you, what's the worst part part about making toys that would deter someone from following that as a passion? The entire season of summer. Oh. Yeah, full, full stop. The entire season of summer. Just because it's hot outside and it's hot in there? Too many cicadas. It's inc- yeah, this uh, I like cicadas. I think they're funny. Like they're just weird little bugs. But it's insanely humid here, and the factory we don't have an air conditioner, and I just have a fan that like it doesn't. It just pushes the warm air around. It is unbearably hot, and everything is just you're sweating profusely. In, in the paint studio, it's kind of the same way. I have like fans and stuff, but. You just can't escape that humidity, and every single thing that you do, you're just drenched in sweat, and you feel super gross. Uh, normal, like, day-to-day, you can kind of, like, not avoid it, but when you're doing, like, the manual labor stuff, or just sitting in one spot for hours painting, you, you feel like shit. It's awful. Everything else is fine. Like, pulling is... It can be dangerous. It's incredibly tiring. The first couple months I did it, and I have... I'm, I'm quite physically fit and i have a background in doing physical fitness stuff so my upper body was kind of made to handle like mm-hmm. doing the same motion again and again and again and again but the first like two months i was just so dead like my hands were in agony my arms were killing me and eventually i just got used to it but uh it's super there's really tiring aspects of it but at the end of the day like you don't have to wait for anyone fair just yeah. super cool like you do everything yourself yeah, summer is just the worst thing on earth. I thought it was bad with like a moderate climate. Like... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's just that plus the bath that we cure everything in is two hundred degrees Celsius. Fuck. So yeah, in the summer it can get to about uh, I don't know what it is in Celsius, but in Fahrenheit the factory like space inside can be about a hundred and ten degrees. Oof. That's with like eighty percent humidity. That's yikes. Hot. That's that's pretty warm. Yeah. And yeah, yeah, it's disgusting. The humidity parts like, like that's what makes me kind of like dry heave a bit. Like just mm-hmm. hearing like that makes me go, oh, oh nope. 
Like, I can handle the warm, but I can't handle the the wet warm, you know? <laughs> so, a it's bit, just of, a, so bit of a personal horrible. question. When it's hot <laughs> mm-hmm. in the summer, are you, are you, are you powdering your balls? Are you taking no. precautions? Or... <laughs> I wear the same exact thing in the factory every single day I'm in the factory. I have a, a t-shirt that I've cut the sleeves off of, like a scumbag, nice. and I've taken a pair of jeans and I've cut them into short shorts. Oh, and okay. in the summer, I wear that without like leggings under it, and in the winter, I wear leggings under it, and that's it. Nice, nice. I like your uniform. It's so, <laughs> it's good it's so eclectic. I look like... Just, I look like a vagrant. I look like I'm not supposed to be there. <laughs> uh, I I just want everyone that owns a science patrol piece or will own one to know that that's what you were wearing when it was being pulled. <laughs> yeah, that's the energy in there. Is yeah, homeless, homeless, uh, homeless summer guy outfit. <laughs> Maybe even a drop or two of sweat has made its way into the toy. And no, you, that you there's no small... sweat in them. A single drop of sweat in the material will ruin it. Oh. It, like, it, it foams up if you try and like cure it. It's disgusting. Whoa. That's the biggest uh, issue in the summer is I need to like have a thing on my head to prevent like any sweat from going in there. Oh, because it'll, it'll contaminate the chemicals and they'll start reacting weirdly? It'll contaminate the material. It'll basically okay. make it... like If you try and cure it, normally it ends up like super smooth and just clean on the inside. It'll start to bubble up and foam and like just come out in pieces. It'll look like a sponge. Holy oh, shame. That's Yeah, it gets porous. That's actually like useful information that I've never heard before. That's crazy. <laughs> it's one of the scariest things when you're working in the summer is sweat can come from any part of your body. Oh, and if any of it ends up in there, you're just going to end up with a big old pile of goop. So And then does that create me. extra trouble with trying to like clean the mold out to then try again like is it a pain in the ass to get the goopy shit out of your mold it depends on how much water got in there it depends also where the water had registered on the toy i i'm super paranoid about everything and i'm overly cautious i always keep the molds face down so nothing will end up in the molds but if it's in the material and then it goes in uh if I notice, you'll be able to see the curing on the inside, like, will look a little porous, mm-hmm. and then you'll know immediately, like, that's going to be a problem spot. What you do is you wait till it fully cools down. You cook it for longer than you normally would cook it, so it hopefully cures the rest of it, and then cool it down, and then when it's really firm, you kind of just pop it out, so that way it's not tearing. It'll maybe break in that part, but you don't have to worry about, like, a bunch of like weird... Yeah, it's right. way easier to clean up that way. Hmm. It's happened to me once. That's it. <laughs> that sounds like it was a thing that would happen all the time. So like, just happening once is not too bad. That's, yeah, that's it's a constant state of paranoia. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, fear mm-hmm. is the best motivator. So. Uh... <laughs> mm-hmm. oh. Fear and spite. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. Both. <laughs> They're both very good motivators. <laughs> uh. Yeah, speaking of spite, I should probably fish all those uh, Science Patrol figures out of the garbage. <laughs> that's, where they, that's where they belong. <laughs> Got real mad about that grand shipping. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, oh, that's that's cool. Do you want to 
want to slam into the Discord questions? or Yeah, we can do that. Um, cool. Before we do, though, what's the name of this guy? Oh. So that's Namazu. It's just the Japanese word for catfish. Uh, in Japanese folklore, they... When I say they believe, I don't mean they believe. I mean that the folklore is that yeah, they yeah. believe that earthquakes are caused by a giant catfish that lives under the islands. Uh, there's a god named Kashima, I think, who has a, a, a ceiling stone on Namazu's head that prevents him from thrashing about. But if that god is, like, busy doing something or is distracted, the catfish knocks off the stone and will thrash about, and that's where earthquakes come from. That's really cool. Also, I always turn his tail sideways and kind of hold him like a pistol. Yep. <laughs> I don't know why. I just it's a thing I do. I just I keep. I used to do show. that because it's funny looking, especially with the flesh parts. For some weird reason, it looks like a weird like it's kind of like a sex toy of some sort. But if you turn it the other way, it kind of looks like the uh, like those dragons that top buildings in. Yeah. I forget if it's Chinese or Taiwan architecture. Right. I forget what they're called. I want to say Taiwan. But yeah, like the, yeah, I'm not 100% like the Guardian certain. Dragons that just kind of chill on the top, right? Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, are you just secretly making sex toys? Because this is the no. second time you've, <laughs> you've, you've uh, drawn comparison. <laughs> it's, it's whenever I see flesh-colored vinyl on stuff mm. where I somewhat think, like, oh, that's kind of weird looking. Like, if I made Cranston flesh-colored. <laughs> Dude, is that the next colorway? <laughs> Nice. Uh, the ne- we have a couple of next colorways. Uh, the the next one is gonna be Valentine's Day themed. Definitely flesh uh, colorway. <laughs> uh, not not this time. But then I was considering I was considering for Halloween doing flesh colored Cranston, having like kind of raw meat color oh, and having cool. it as like a raw Cranston. But I think it might look super gross. So right. super gross, but super awesome. I mm. I, I want to <laughs> ask you some uh two personal question slash maybe secret requests as well uh okay. is there any plans to re-release your version of the back at kujira yep fuck yes okay good brad <laughs> yeah i'm actually uh i believe one of the first colors i'm gonna try is i just got this new silver that uses metal powder and i want to do that silver with a with a black rub i think would look Ooh. really good yeah, I and then love and then I want to do glow as well. Nice. Oh, glow would be sick for that. I I have the candy Bolton back at Kujira, and I just I want yours to go with it because I love me some ghost whales. Those are, they're fun. I actually made that by taking the wax for Namazu oh. and adhering like like two hunks of the wax together. Uh, with a, a tool to like heat it up and then get the form to right. Yeah. And then I sat there for like six hours and I carved all of the details out Whoa. and just made it look like it's it's the same exact sculpt as the original Namazu, but I awesome. just made a bone a bone version of it. <laughs> cool. Um, my second totally selfish question as well. Your trading cards. Are you ever planning mm. on doing a booster pack of those or a way to yes. get the full set? Okay, good, perfect. Now. Um, I believe next week I have a box of about 19,000 stickers coming to my house. Uh, <laughs> the first box I got was uh, 7,000. It's uh, the first seven designs, okay. and it's 1,000 of each of them. Nice. And that box is gigantic, so I'm freaking the fuck out as to how big <laughs> this other box is going to be. 
But yeah, we're doing. It's actually. Oh no, it's twenty thousand. I'm sorry. Damn. Twenty thousand stickers. It's all of the new designs. Plus, there's a bonus card. Uh, originally, what I wanted to do is if you buy like a Dogu, you mm-hmm. get a Dogu girl card. Yeah. If you buy Wild Hunt, you get a Wild Hunt girl card. Right. But certain toys are infinitely more popular. We ran out of Dogu cards almost immediately. Uh, we. Oh, was it? The Wild Hunt ones I got 2,000 of, so I still have a few of those left. But some of them from toys that I haven't made in a long time, like the Baku mm-hmm. or Baki Kujita or. Uh, there's a uh, small sun and stuff that I just haven't made in a while. We still have a lot of those stickers, okay. so I've been supplementing the Dogu ones with those. But I constantly get emails being like, oh, is there any way to get uh, the car- the stickers on their own? Uh, I don't know how to price them because I just like giving them away as a free little bonus thing because they're so cheap to make. But now that we have the entire set, I think there's 24 designs. Oh, wow. Wait, uh, hold on, hold on. Is there a sexy mm-hmm. little Cranston in there? <laughs> Not yet. <laughs> there, there better be. A uh, there's, uh, I think season five is gonna have Cranston. Nice. Oh man, sign me up. Hell yeah. Because we we just finished season four or series four, and that is let me look at the reference thing. I haven't posted any of the pictures from uh, series four yet, but uh, this is who's on the uh, the list. This is all the ones that are completed. The set as of right now, uh, I'll go through series one is. Yugo Baku, uh, Shakoki Dogu, Namazu, Baki Kujira. Series 2 is Small Sun, Maurice, uh, Wild Hunt, Alvin, and Husk. Series 3 is Melonpan, Kraken, uh, El Pato, Amabie, Dai Namazu, Mastodon Tank, and Haniwa. Series 4 is Harris Fish, Mouthpiss, Namazu Kaijin, uh, Mikarabe no Kozuchi, Lantern, Slime Adjudicator, and Avalon. And then Series 5 is, as of right now, it's the different Wild Hunt heads. Okay, nice. Uh, it's uh, the larger Dogu, it's uh, Cranston, and then it's a few other uh, unreleased things uh, as of right now. And cool. possibly, I'm looking up to see... If I can get the Subaraya license approved for Gajinka girls of the two current Subaraya characters that I have. Oh, oh that would be awesome. rad. Yeah, that's, yes. it's kind of, I don't know how it will work, because it's not through me. Like, the artist Hakuro is the one who I commissioned for this art, because I can't draw like her. <laughs> uh, so, I'm going to see specifically what the rules are for that. Fair, yeah. Oh, that's, that's awesome. That's still super cool, though. Like... Yeah, I, I I think my previous, the last Science Patrol order that I made, I'm saying it as, like, the order from you I made <laughs> was, like, before all the cards and stuff. I think it was, like, just before the cards were coming out. Um, and I was like, okay, well, now I gotta jump on these again. Um, and I was like, yeah, I gotta get a Dogu at some point, because I, I love the Jomon stuff that was being discovered and i just i just kept missing it so hopefully when canada is shippable again i can start collecting some cards and getting some dogus and that big dogu is it's a nightmare to ship i I can imagine it would be (laughs) it's like oh i didn't think it would be such a pain in the ass uh but yes right now it's a massive pain in the ass uh we were slowly getting shipping options back Mm -hmm. for international stuff we just recently got uh america untracked uh parcels 
okay, so I don't have to do like $30 Yamato. But uh, I'll probably check, what time is it? I'll probably check some point today before the post office closes uh, if they are offering anything for Canada yet. Okay, cool. Is $30 shipping expensive? So that... Because <laughs> that's like our As standard. far as I'm concerned, that's expensive. <laughs> our normal shipping rates used to be like $11 for like tracked air post. Mm, yeah. But now Yamato, regardless of how... As long as it's a size 60 box, regardless of the weight, it's like $27. Oh, okay. I hate it. It's so expensive. I, <laughs> for Canada, though, that's that would be... That's an alright price. Yeah, that's... I shipped uh, something to a, another friend of mine who's like an anime tuber. I shipped something to the other side of Canada, and that was $30. Jesus! <laughs> I ship giant boxes. Uh, This is Japan, within Japan. I ship giant boxes of, like, produced toys for people who are, like, my customers who live Mm -hmm. here. And for a giant box to ship within Japan, I think I paid... It was within Tokyo. I paid, like, I think $13. That's ridiculous. And when I shipped a giant box to Osaka, I think I paid, like, $24. What? How giant's this box? We talking like the size of a washing machine? Like huge. (laughs) Okay. Yeah. I could probably I could probably fit eight of these guys in there. Yeah. That. mm. Well. One day. So that being said, we're used to pay like the fact that as Canadians we were like, so how do we split this thousand dollar shipping? And like (laughs) being somewhat like we could probably do like that just goes to show you what we're used to <laughs> the trade-offs for free health care <laughs> oh yeah okay good 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 point yeah. good point with that uh, if oh making... we, we have it here too though oh yeah if we're oh. making requests uh are we gonna see a gid cranston at any point yes oh, and i yeah. believe the colorway uh right now that i'm playing with originally i was gonna do like uh, a toxic version with like green meat and stuff which still might happen but i was looking at like maneki neko colorways with like gold eyes and black and just kind of that color scheme looks really good on gid Ooh. That, that sounds pretty sick it's yeah. definitely on the list once i finish all of the ones that i need to finish <laughs> yeah the sorry two, not to... 200 cranstons <laughs> mm-hmm. as people that don't make toys uh sorry for our constant wanting of more toys <laughs> oh no you're fine i i'm always adamant i've had like some painters paint some stuff uh when wild hunt debuted it was insanely popular mm. and the first two open orders were one of them was about 300 pieces and then another one after that was a little over 200 and just having to do all of those myself would have been a nightmare oh. so i had a paint factory do it and i hated the way they looked Oh really? So I, I re I redid a lot of the ones that I was most unhappy with, but I still wasn't happy with it. And a lot of Japanese collectors will always ask at a show, "Oh, did you paint this release? Did you paint this release?" So I'm making sure that I'm doing them all myself, which is a nightmare. But it, I wow. want to guarantee that the quality is like up to my standard. Fair and thank you for that as well. Like that, yeah, knowing that you like put that extra like care and attention into it it just goes to show how fucking rad science patrol stuff is and how you should collect it if you're not doing it already listeners well, thank you guys for supporting me like i wouldn't have any people to prepare anything with if i didn't have fans <laughs> mm. 
uh, speaking of fans and our fan base, our, our little Discord community here, they've got a okay. bunch of questions for you. Are you ready to, to be in the hot seat? Yes, please. Because I have the air con off of the heater because it was making a noise. <laughs> so I'm actually quite cold. Questions from the Discord. Uh, Alright, 4am snack is starting us off with for Corey, colon... Will there be more UV vinyl in the near future? There will be in the future. I wouldn't say the near future, only because there's such a, a backlog of releases that we have got going. And as of right now, the company that we get the UV stuff is based in America, and right now shipping is not spectacular. Mm-hmm. So I want to make sure that we're not paying way more or getting screwed on shipping times. It's honestly, because it's made uh, with uh, milky colored vinyl, uh, you can pull it any time of year. So I kind of like doing it in the summer because also that's when the sun is out like crazy here. And you can see the transition like immediately. Ooh, nice. So yeah, possibly this summer, if not soon after, but I don't think before the summer. Cool. Okay, cool. That's... That's right. That's way quicker than he probably was expecting to hear. So, <laughs> <laughs> uh, a really important note to anyone that owns any of the UV vinyl toys: keep them out of the sun for extended periods of time, unless you're like changing the colors. Because if they sit there for days on end, getting blasted with sun, the color change is gonna kind of get a bit more permanent. It's gonna oh. alter the actual reaction. Mm. That explains those Transformers from the early 90s. They just get exhausted from, like, doing... Like, I, don't, I don't mean the toys physically get exhausted. <laughs> the actual, like, chemical that does the color change gets exhausted of just getting overwhelmed with sun where it kind of maintains a little bit of that color. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Oh, cool. I mean, like... Yeah, no, you, you see it happen. Like, when you look at some of those old UV toys and you're like, what the fuck could have happened? But you're like, well... It's probably sitting in a, a window ledge for, like, a few days, so... Yeah. Huh, that's, that's good to know. That's really good to know. Uh, Sam the Mop, for Corey, what inspires your designs the most? And do you plan on doing any more licensed toys, or any more runs of the Estes Flask? So, uh, one of the biggest inspirations for me is really generic stuff from video games. <laughs> like, old JRPGs, you'll just fight through a bunch of, like, Slimes. creative, like, <laughs> common monsters, like golems and stuff, mm-hmm. or wizards, and I just love generic stuff. <clears throat> generic stuff's really cool to me, because you can make it look like it kind of fits in anywhere. That's essentially, like, Wild Hunt is more or less just a skeleton without a nose. Uh, I like skeletons. I think they look cooler without noses. So I made a skeleton without a nose and wanted to make it like articulated. He himself is generic. It's just a skeleton. He doesn't have any unique thing to him other than the the face, again, having no nose. But just how generic it is is something I always found endearing. Uh, I'm Right now I'm playing a bunch of JRPG phone games that have a lot of the old sprite work and just seeing like oh well that's this monster that's the way that this looks in this game and it makes you think about like oh all these other weird monsters like Ents or like uh, haunted trees and stuff mm-hmm. these designs where it's like the more generic the kind of more endearing they are where it's not stylized it's like endearing in the fact that it just looks like every other haunted tree mm-hmm. 
that's the, the type of aesthetic that I really like. Just a classic Cranston aesthetic. It's just a burger. <laughs> yep. Well, he's very he's very special. It is just a burger. <laughs> but but uh, for the licensed stuff, I am definitely doing more licensed stuff. Uh, we are going to be doing uh, more Novas for Subaraya. We have two more releases of those coming out in the early part of this year. And then I'm going to see if I can do the original colorway for international release. Uh, international except for China the license in China is kind of weird uh, and then aside from that Gang Q his release is going to be pushed back a little bit because Wonder Festival got cancelled uh, which is uh, it's okay because I have the license I don't need to wait for Wonder Festival I was just wanted an event to debut it at right. so he's going to be coming out a little bit later uh, we also got paint masks for him nice. and then there's two more Super Ag characters I'm working on and uh, as for new stuff, there's a couple of items I need to get approved for the Fall Wonder Festival, but I'm hoping to have some licenses from a popular, semi-popular uh, manga that just had an anime last year that I'm a huge fan of. Uh, you, I, you don't want to say you, the You're name not allowed to say what it is. It's, uh, from the, the series is called Doro Hedoro. Yes. Oh, okay, that's cool. amazing. Good. Yeah. Good. I want to make here. two really obscure things from it. Are they that, two yeah. obscure things that are also sort of mundane objects? Yes. Awesome. <laughs> that is the most science yes. patrol toy to ever be made. Would I would I uh, also hopefully. be uh bold to say that you're what you might make is uh, shocking? Uh uh no. <laughs> oh, okay. No, it won't be. It won't be. It, it won't be Johnson. Damn it! I mean, that's that's fine too. <laughs> Wait, are you just gonna? Are you just gonna make gyoza? Oh, no, so... everyone does the gyoza fairy. Yeah, the little, so yeah. I wanted to do originally what I wanted to do. I can talk about this stuff because this is still like preliminary, and the license is pretty easy to get from Wonder Festival. But uh, the my designs still have to be approved once they're right. applied, mm -hmm. but uh, or applied for. Uh, Originally, what I wanted to do is I wanted to make Chi Dadama, oh, like okay. the god of that universe. Yeah, yeah. And because he's like a lazy piece of shit who's also <laughs> like God. He's fucking awesome. <laughs> but uh, that's gonna. It's a lot of masks. I have a, a lot of specific ways I want to do the sculpt where I actually might outsource the sculpt. What I am applying for is I might as well just say it because, again, like it's not like they've. It's, it's not like I'm selling it if it gets not approved. Yeah. Uh, in the manga, in, in the show, you can see the the black house, I believe it's called. Yeah, like yeah the, the, the house that the devils all live in. Yeah. I want to make a, a small version of that that can be held up by a string and float in a house to basically like just be floating in the corner of a house or a room. And then the sick. other thing I want to make is uh, a weapon called Store's Kitchen Knife. There's a big bird monster. He's like half Cenobite, half bird thing. And he's like the butcher in hell. He's the only thing that can kill the devils, oh. which are like the gods of that universe. And he has these gigantic knives that grow on his back. And it's like a giant knife. And the, the handle part is like feathers. I want to make a life-size replica of that knife. Oh, that would be that's amazing. so cool. I mean, yeah. I haven't gone that far in the manga yet, but that doesn't ruin anything. He's he's also another character like Johnson that just says the same thing over and over again. I kind of love that. It's just mm -hmm. oh, I yeah, I didn't expect to fall in love with that series as much as I did, but like, goddamn, 
Yeah, it's a lot of fun. They did great. The show is okay. The animation's a bit rough. It's MAPPA. But the art... Yeah. MAPPA doing 3D. But, like, I don't know. They also used Okayasu's voice for Kaiman. So... Yeah. That also was kind of like a, like, now I'm extra endeared. That's actually funny that you bring up JoJo. That's, like, my dream license. But they do not grant that license i think it's shoeisha owns the the rights to it and they are not easy to get the they license. just don't let anybody I was told, touch it or work with it for wonder festival there's kind of this and i'm sorry that i'm going a bit long on no, this question no, no, it's, but it's cool. uh wonder festival you're allowed to apply for the license to almost anything mm-hmm. uh they give you a list but also like and it's like a giant it's like companies and like some recommended ips like square enix uh, you can do full metal alchemist oh, cool. uh uh, was it Capcom? It's like anything they've ever done. Oh wow! Uh, they're re- they're really liberal with Capcom, which is fantastic. Uh, Dustman was actually on my short list for things I wanted to make. Nice. It was between Dustman and Wily's spaceship. Oh, that'd be cool. Yeah. But it's a lot of masks, and it's a lot of like the production would have been a bit difficult. Yeah. Uh, to to get turned around really fast, so uh, you can apply for anything that you want and they'll tell you if it's rejected or not. Mm-hmm. And I've been rejected for Square Enix trying to do Final Fantasy VI characters. I wanted to do Ultros. And it was immediately denied. I mean immediately denied. Wow, they're just like hard no. <laughs> yep. Just they do not allow anything from Final Fantasy or any of those like IPs. Mm-hmm. And then for uh, Nintendo, they used to do it. Like there exists Metroid Sophobi, there exists a Samus Sophobi, oh. uh, there exists Mario Keshi that are like independent. All of those uh, were made in a, a period of time when Ka- uh, Nintendo would give licenses. And I want to say it was either 2004 or something, or maybe a little after that, that they, they totally stopped. Oh, they just I tried getting the license for, for Fanto, the mask from uh, Mario 2 that chases you around when you oh, grab the yeah, key. Oh, yeah, that asshole. Yeah, I was, was going to do him and the key. And it immediately was denied. It's like Nintendo's not granting licenses. Well, just be like, so, I want to do uh, the character from uh, Doki Doki. Uh, oh, say, yeah, Doki Doki just, Panic. Yeah, just say it's that version instead. <laughs> yeah, Nintendo yeah, I was hoping it was going to fall into it. Nintendo mm-hmm. notoriously hates their fans and doesn't want them to have cool things. <laughs> Yeah, it was. It's stupid. Like I was so frustrated by it. But then, uh, yeah, JoJo is just a. You can't get it. I've always wanted to do some of the stands, like Metallica and like some of the weird ones. Those would be cool to do. But uh, yeah, as of right now, it's a it's a big no. Oh, that sucks. Well, hopefully. But uh, we will be doing the Estes Flask again. Oh, nice. Okay, there you go, yeah, Sam. Uh, You're welcome. Uh, we're gonna be doing it in green again, the same color, and then I'm actually looking. Uh, for a way of doing a, a glow variant that looks better than just doing it in glow vinyl. Right now, I was doing tests in this new gold vinyl that we have. Mm-hmm. The it's actually clear. It's clear with a ton of metal, like gold powder in it. And I think theoretically, if I pour glow vinyl on the inside of it and cure it, theoretically, it should look gold. But with the lights off, it should glow. Oh, oh cool. That'd be cool. Theoretically. <laughs> Theoretically. Mm-hmm. Also, the dogu in gold looks great, by the way. <laughs> Uncle Jason is asking, any more mallets being released in the future? I'm asking for a friend. And what would you say some of the most challenging aspects of living and working in Japan are? Uh, there will be more mallets. They just take forever for me to pull and to paint. There are three molds. Oh. So a lot of times when I'm producing toys, I'm pulling 
toys for customers at the same time as I'm pulling my toys. So I need to maximize uh, vacuum and bath space, and having three molds of my own simultaneously kind of eats up a lot of that space. I could break it up, you know, two and two other people's or something like that, but there's just so much stuff to produce for clients that I want to get all their stuff out as fast as possible and then do the mallets if there's time. And then just the painting takes forever. I have another 30 of them prepped. I just need to do the final rub on them and then package them. But as of right now, I need to find out what kind of box they fit in because I think they fit into the Yamato box, but I'm not sure for shipping. Because I don't want to end up like the big-ass Dogu, where it's just impossible to ship at a reasonable price. <laughs> but yeah, there, there will 100% be more. Uh, we're going to be doing more of the original colorway, because we keep getting requests for that one. I keep saying we, it's just me. Um, <laughs> I keep getting requests for the original colorway. and then But without the gold uh, dry brush, I guess it's preferred to just have the gray. It looks more bony. So there's going to be that one. There's a wood-colored one that's uh, obviously brown vinyl that is upcoming. And then there's a stone one that's gray uh, that's also upcoming. But I need to perfect... The gray one has the dry brushing on it, and I think it looks really good. But I'm going to see it without it and see how it looks. But again, it's just, it's just a matter of time on those things. Right, right. Huh, cool. So sorry, everyone waiting for those. <laughs> They'll be fine. Uh, they'll they're, be happy when they get them. They yeah. can wait forever. <laughs> Fuck them. No, 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 no. <laughs> <laughs> Bondage Wizard, a.k.a. Noah. What gets you most excited about toys? Uh, everything. Like, I love coming up with a new idea. I love getting a sculpt to a point where I think it looks how I wanted it to look. Uh, the most exciting thing, all that stuff's super exciting, like you feel like you're actually getting to where you want to get to, but the most exciting thing, hands down, out of any part of the toy production is when you get the notification that the mold is ready. Because that's the last step. Like, you get the mold, and then it's like, oh, I can go to the factory, and I can, I can pull these things immediately, and then you have the toy. Like... When you get the sculpt, you have the sculpt. When you get the wax, okay, now it's going to get molded. Uh, and it's cool seeing all that stuff, and it's cool getting to those steps, but getting that final notification of, oh, the mold's ready, you can use it, is the most exciting thing ever. So you... Because then, then you make them. You can just have them. So you work in the production and pulling of the toys, but you're not involved in the, the wax or the mold making aspect of it? I'm involved in the wax. My actual, my main job here was doing wax prototyping. Okay. I do wax prototyping for clients and then would do my own toys on the side. Then I had mentioned before that there was such a delay with production. I was putting in orders for those lanterns and I wasn't getting any updates for months. So I had reached out to the factory and I was just curious, like, hey, like, is there any way I can learn how to do this and I can pay you guys to just like let me, let use, me use the, the factory and pull my own stuff? Yeah. Mm -hmm. The factory owner was then like, well, if you just pull some client stuff at the same time, you can pull your own stuff for free. So I used to do it at night. I would go in at 6 p.m. and I'd stop at 10 a.m. the next day. Holy shit. And I used to do it, I used to do it Friday, Saturday, Sunday. And then uh, switched it to uh, Monday through Friday at night. I would adjust the hours because I was pretty fried the next day. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and then 
switched it to Monday, Wednesday, Friday, and then because of Corona, like, orders reduced because there were less shows, so it was uh, Tuesday, Thursday, and then I think once things kick back up again, it's going to be Monday, Wednesday, Friday again, just, uh, now it's during the day, because I'm the only person at that factory anymore, but I can now get all my own stuff out of the way and make sure my client stuff is taken care of, and it just made it a lot easier to not have to worry about communicating with a factory or waiting on timelines for th orders that I had put in or heaven forbid they forgot. Uh, that That's, I think, the most important connection I ever made was actually just going and working at the factory. Because then the only thing I have to wait on are masks, joints, and molds. And being right there, I had the direct line to the person that's in charge of doing all that stuff anyway. Cool. Just like yell down the hallway. Yeah, or you just go to the office and be like, hey, where is this? What's the status on this thing? What's the status on this thing? When I say factory, uh, there's a video online that shows what I'm talking about. It's a garage attached to a house. Yeah, I've definitely seen, tiny. seen footage of <laughs> yeah. the factories where it's just like in somebody's you know, garage or in somebody's backyard and it's just a little shed. Yeah, I feel like mm -hmm. that was... Was it the one with the real head or... Uh, it's a else? similar scenario with real head. We actually pull the real head and punk drunkers and all their toys are at this factory and in that network of factories. I think it was it was another factory in the network that they went to. Oh, okay. There's a video that Japan Times put out uh, that shows the factory and it's literally a garage. <laughs> it's so sm it's so small. Oh, that's still pretty cool though, because like yeah, when you think of factory, you're just kind of like oh, massive like lot, but. Something kind of charming about it just being, like, the tiny little spot. It's attached to the company owner's house. <laughs> like, in theory, one could set up a vinyl production factory. You could set up an entire operation in your house. Huh. Like, just get a little add-on garage that with a cement floor. That's super important because it's all, like, fire-based for heating the baths. Even though they have electric ones, they're, like, crazy expensive. Uh, operate that. Uh, part of it out of a garage, have another garage or an attached one for painting and stuff, and you have a whole production facility. That's crazy. Holy crap. <laughs> so is that, if you ever end up uh, giving up the expat lifestyle and going back to the States, is that what you're going to do? You're going to open up your own little Safubi factory? No. <laughs> <laughs> like, you can't get the good material, and like, no one's willing to work for what you could reasonably sell stuff at. Right. Like, mm -hmm. I feel because it's just such a cultural thing here that you're able to get people who do this line of work and they understand that, oh, this is, you're just doing production, you're doing like manual labor and you don't make a ton of money, but in this, it's here, it's a lot cheaper to live. Right. It's way cheaper to live and healthcare is free and all that stuff. You can eat really cheap too. So these people aren't living on the poverty line, but it's just, you couldn't live in the States like that. Right. Yeah, the prices would go significantly higher, and it's just, it's not feasible. There's a couple of companies in the States that I've seen have tried it. Uh, I've seen some of the products come out of it, and it doesn't look great. There's one place that the uh, vinyl just reeks of, uh, it doesn't reek, it smells like a beach ball. It's like that type of material. Hmm. It's just, like, the Japanese vinyl has no smell. It's just a, a way nicer product. It's yeah. already mixed material, it's already... Pigmented yeah, and, all that and, stuff. and they don't export any of that shit, right? Like, it all stays in Japan. From, from what I understand, it's never exported. Yeah. However, 
<clears throat> I'm sure there's someone who can get it sent to China or something. I don't know. I don't think America, but I'm pretty sure you could get it to China because it's pretty close. Okay. Well, it sounds like it'd just explode on a plane, so probably... <laughs> the material like, isn't explosive. It's the paint you need to worry about. Oh, that's what you're not allowed to smuggle. <clears throat> okay. Yeah, uh, the paint's highly flammable. <laughs> Uncle Jason is asking, do you have any dream designs you want to make in the future? Yeah, I got a couple of dream designs. Uh, <clears throat> they're all kind of dumb, except one of them is I wanted to do uh, the a vinyl version of one of the the girl characters that Hakuro had designed. I want to do the Dogu girl as an actual figure. Cool. Yeah. But I have so many things that i'm hung up about the design that it would be as of right now kind of a massive pain to do it in japanese vinyl i may have found a way to do it within my not restrictions uh within the way i want to do it but i would have to like integrate the the helmet would be like jointed on her head or something like that it's it's weird there's so many logistics to think about with planning like human like characters mm. that uh and then a lot of masks are involved too. That it's still kind of like a dream project, but I have uh, was it one, two? I have four upcoming projects that I haven't posted anything about, uh, and two of them are like dream level, but it's like stupid dream level. <laughs> You'll you, everyone will see when they eventually come out, and I explain why I made this thing, mm -hmm. but oh no, oh my god, no. Uh, so there's four that are currently in production. There's there's actually, there's closer to eight that are, like, on the horizon. Like, only four of them right now are actually in, like, the wheels have moved and stuff and mm -hmm. things are going places. Of the other four, though, there's two really stupid fucking ones <laughs> that I'm, I'm really, really excited about. I completely forgot about them. I have, like, a list that I keep in my computer of, like, projects with, like, sketches and stuff. Or just, like, notes about the production or how I want it to work. Yeah, there's some really dumb shit that... It's, like, Cranston-level stupid. Oh, no, that man. Like, I know old. people are really, really gonna like it, but looking at it, I just keep thinking that it's so dumb. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, I totally forgot. Like, yeah, yeah, it, it's gonna be... It'll be interesting the next couple of years. I'm excited. That that's rad. <laughs> One of them is just so fucking stupid. <laughs> like, but I'm 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 getting really really technical with it. Where theoretically, it's not going to be like this this wonder when it's produced. But like, there's a very specific jointed mechanism that I want to do with it. That if work if it works correctly, uh, I can do some really stupid fun stuff with it. Hell yeah. That's exciting. Mm -hmm. Hell yeah. Um, when it comes out, you'll know exactly which one I was talking about. <laughs> <laughs> Just like, yeah, I'll get the Instagram post and be like, that's fucking dope. <gasps> yep. <laughs> that's the one. Uh, King Gloom, also known as Colm, for Corey, please rate all the yokai watch games best yokai in game and best yokai in real life. Also, what's your... F I'm just going to read all of them uh, to you, so mm -hmm. you got to keep these in mind. It's all Colm, so don't worry about it. Uh, no. what's, your, <laughs> what's your favorite sculpture? Hey, hey Colm. So <laughs> uh, and what's something that has made you feel hashtag blessed work-wise or just in life? So, like, 
I, when it comes to Pokemon and when it comes to Yokai Watch, I tend to rate the games based on how many Yokai are in them. Okay. Oh, oh. Um, I've played almost every single Yokai Watch game. Four is by far the best game design wise. It's like a 3D adventure game. It looks really, really good. Oh, cool. uh, the battles are f- like active. Like you can run around and stuff. It's it's way more active combat. There's significantly less Yokai in it. Uh, I think there's over a thousand in Yokai Watch Three. So my favorite, I'd have to rank three as the first one, okay. just because it has everything's in there. Every Yokai's in there, and they also have Molder and Scully from the X Files, like a parody. It's look it up. It's amazing. Like it's <laughs> dead on Molder and Scully. Well, shit. Now I want uh, this to be in English. <laughs> so I, it did. Get, it did come out in English. Yeah, that one came out, I think, a year or two ago. I was surprised that they even uh, translated it, because it's not even popular here anymore. Yeah, Yokai Watch is weird. I mean, like, I impulse bought, I'm rummaging through my shit, I almost impulse bought one of the watches once, just because I was like... There are so many watches. Yeah. Like, I don't know if any of the other ones made it to the States, but there's one that uses tiny swords, one that's like a living frog. It's like, they had a, oh, a series, I think it was a net now. show, called uh, Kuroi Yokai Watch, like, black, I think Black Yokai Watch. Okay. And it was like a living entity the watch and you put metals in it to train the art was more like classical like japanese art style cool. and the watch could turn people into yokai uh, oh just like real life <laughs> yeah it was weird uh but the watch was really cool uh except it was like a weird matte rubberized finish so it just yeah. collected dust like no one's business Ooh. uh there's just so many watches from that show uh but yeah i'd say gameplay wise four is number one but three is number one because of the uh just how many characters are in it. Uh, and then I would go... Two... Two is statistically the best one, I believe. Like, rating-wise. Okay. Uh, and then one. And then, like, Busters. I, I there's, there's too many of these games. <laughs> Busters 2 is better than Busters 1, because there's more stuff in it. Uh, and then I didn't play the dancing game, or the puzzle game, or any of the other so spin-off shit. are you even shit. really a Gyokai Watch yeah. fan? <laughs> um... Uh, so yeah, a favorite yokai I think would be Sunday Papa, which is just a ice cream with a man's face. Uh, and least favorite is all almost all of the other American yokai. <laughs> oh yeah, did like, they do like a spinoff series where they were like in America? The third one, half of it takes place in Japan, half of it takes place in America. Oh. And the so they're called like American, like apostrophe American ah. yokai. And there's like a hot dog, like it's, it's like a hot dog with a face, a hamburger with a face. It's like stupid stuff. A hamburger like, with a face? That's fucking dumb. Yeah. <laughs> it's just really uninspired stuff. I think there's a few of them that are, I want to say they had like boilerplate, like the robot. Maybe oh. there was a parody of him. Uh, and I know there's a Steve Jobs character called like Steve Jaws it's like a shark wearing a black turtleneck but I can't remember if he was in the earlier games or not he in that universe like makes the the newest yokai watch they make it like the apple phone and stuff the iphone the apple phone what about someone's dad jeez <laughs> the apple phone I with the facetimes I don't think anyone's mm-hmm. ever sold me more on yokai watch uh, the like, third I, one <laughs> is somewhat endearing. Like, there's a lot of dudes in it. No, like I want to, I want to start like getting into this shit now. Like, I was just, like I said before, I'm like, ah, ghosts are neat. Watches, I wear one. This toy is definitely $4. play the fourth like, game though if you want to like 
okay. feel how that world is because it's like a little Japanese city. Like yeah, it's done. Yeah. It's like suburbs and like a little town. It's done pretty well. Cool. Yeah, I, I'm actually like legit gonna check that out. That's fucking cool. Uh, for hashtag blessed stuff, uh, I think just the whole where I am now thing makes me feel super lucky. <laughs> like of... how everything fell into line and how even though I didn't speak the language particularly well, uh, the factory owner was willing to work with me and teach me everything. Uh, it's just, I got super lucky. Nice. That's, that's super cool. Uh, oh, he also is asking, what's your favorite sculpt you've done so far? Uh, and why is it Husk? Uh, I think Wild Hunt, because it was my first sculpt that I made with articulated parts, and he stands correctly, and he's articulated <laughs> correctly. It didn't, like, fall over, and it, it doesn't have any issue standing. It just worked out super well. Nice. Yeah, I... Seeing articulation, that's more than just one or two points in a toy. Like, on a Sophobie, it's just ridiculous. So, that was, yeah, kind of a game changer for me as well when I got my first one. And I'm like, alright... I need more. These are cool. <laughs> yeah, I wanted to make them action figure-like. Uh, I have a few more arms and heads and stuff that I need to finish the wax on. It just got so delayed because it orders. Yeah. Oh, that's fair. That sucks. But so it's, it's a balancing act. <laughs> <laughs> Uncle Jason is asking, how does it feel to have your toy in a Daniel Radcliffe movie? Oh, uh, so, a, a couple of Sophie V toys are in the movie Guns Akimbo. Yeah. It's like a movie where he's like in some sort of shooting game thing. It's just, I had uh, two on a shelf. You can barely see them. <laughs> uh, you can see them slightly in one scene, but like some of the bigger toys, like uh, I think there's an MVH toy or a Paul Kaiju is way bigger and it's clearly visible. Yeah. Uh, it's super cool. That company uh, was super easy to work with. They're really friendly and they sent everything back, which I wasn't oh, expecting wow. after they were done with it. But uh, it was cool when uh, people put up screen captures of the trailer and circled like, oh yeah, that's Science Patrol's Dogu, and that's Alvin. Oh, yeah. shit. That was no exciting. Way. That's awesome. I, I, I watched that movie and I missed that, so... I didn't, uh, I didn't realize that barely they would have contacted you for set dressing stuff. I would have assumed that was something out of like someone who worked on the production's like personal collection. No, no. Uh, so I want to say, did you... Either of you watch the movie Uncut Gems. I haven't seen it yet, no. I don't believe in Adam Sandler. There's a scene where Adam... This was an Adam Sandler movie. It's fantastic. It's oh. really, really good. It's like... Tony, uh, Tony doesn't enthusiasm like level of, Yeah, I fucking of, like, hate awkwardness. <laughs> it's, it's so good. It's just... You feel like shit the entire movie. And Ooh. it's just anxiety building just the entire movie. That uh, there's like a, a scene where he time. goes and talks to his son, though, and they go into his son's room, and it's all Sophie. It's like real head, it's secret base and stuff, and I believe that's from Lev from Toy Tokyo. I think that's his personal collection, and they used it in the movie. Oh, okay. Cool. It's weird seeing Sophie pop up and stuff. I remember uh, the show Castle, I believe, the Nathan Fillion show, had... Uh, I think, an old T9G toy in it. Hmm. Uh, the music video for Owl City's Fireflies has a bunch of old Max toy figures in it. Hmm. Yeah, it's like random stuff. Uh, I'm sure I'm missing a bunch of it, but 
It's, it's cool seeing it pop up in popular culture things. Or watching Portlandia once and seeing, like, the same uncle figure that I had. Like, that... Uh, yeah, and I was just like, huh, okay. I was amazed there wasn't more of that type of stuff in Portlandia. Not so much soft movie, but just designer toys. Yeah. Because there was, there was quite a scene... Uh, there's only maybe three shops I can think of, but they still had a bit of a scene because of how, like, artistic Portland is. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I... I've only been there once... But, like, when I was there, it was definitely a lot more, like, comics-focused. I mean, it might have, like, switched a little bit, like, from, like... Because Floating World is out there. Putting, That comic shop. Floating World, the comic shop, is a really good comic shop out there. That's where, you know, Buana Spoons? Yep. His uh, shop uh, is located in that comic book shop as well. Oh, okay. Cool. The more you know. Uh, Uncle Jason continues, any plans for a new tote bag? The last one is so goddamn great. I use it almost every day. Thank you so much. And uh, I'm sure you have a lot of questions from people asking who this man's face is uh, on the Alvin side. Uh, we were going, I was going to have uh, Lucky Bags again this year. Uh, they were actually going to be like kind of like courier bag style. Ooh. And the design was a lot nicer. Uh, So, I'm going to give the extended explanation. Originally, this giant Dogu toy was going to be... The only way you could get it was the Lucky Bag. The Lucky Bags were going to be... I forget how much. It was going to... They were going to be very low compared to like the price of like the quality of the bag and the contents inside. We were going to be doing another... uh, Metal plated wild hunt, uh, another one in the uh, the Microman style where it has like the silver head and the clear colored body. We're gonna be doing one of those, a micro in the same color, uh, and then the giant dogu. But no one was gonna know about. I can say this because we went in another direction. Right, right. Uh, no one was gonna know about the dogu. It was gonna be a complete secret, oh. and we were gonna like have every bag was gonna have the dogu in it. And then I realized that the the bags that I had looked at. Again, they're, like, really nice, like, courier bags. You can get them made pretty cheap. We're going to do 200 of them because we ran out of the the 100 last year super fast. Uh, It was going to have a really nice logo on it. It wasn't going to be, like, super loud or anything. It was going to be gray and black. And the they were actually going to have zipper pulls uh, on the two main zipper things of the dogu head like little metal like 3d zipper pulls oh, cool because uh, all this all this i sourced at this company uh and the quote was totally fine it was totally within reason to be able to do this and then i realized that the bag wasn't big enough to technically <laughs> fit the dogu in oh no <laughs> yeah so then it's like well maybe uh like like uh reduce the price of the bag and it'll have just the wild hunts and some other stuff in it uh, like, random stuff like the other bags usually have. And then the COVID thing got worse, uh, and it just didn't feel appropriate to, A, make people wait so long again for shipping once that gets all sorted out, but also, whenever I do a, a, a drop during this whole pandemic we've had, uh, the only reason I'm still doing it as actively as I have been is because people have been adamant that they, like... I, I keep thinking, like, oh, everyone's probably in really, like, dire straits financially. Like, th- people probably aren't considering buying, like, luxury items, like toys. Mm-hmm. But there was so many people asking for stuff. 
where it's like, oh, I, I guess I should just continue doing releases. Mm-hmm. But I still feel really bad, and I would have felt really bad if there was, like, a lucky bag that had such a weird hidden item in it, or a weird, like, secret item, and all the people that couldn't have got it, because they would have been, like, a, I think 100 bucks for the bag, and it has, like, the, the two wild hunts, uh, a bunch of random stuff, and then this giant dogu. That's... Uh, yeah, but it would have been, been really cheap, but that's still like $100 that someone could be spending on rent or right, right, anything right. else, because I just didn't know how everyone was. I had reached out to a couple of friends in the States to sound like they were doing okay. Uh, I hadn't seen anyone within my direct like group or heard anything about anyone like being in really, really dire straits, but I just didn't want to... I didn't want to be the asshole that was like, give me your money to buy these stupid things you don't need when shit was this bad. Right, right. So, so I kept doing like smaller releases, and then I think next year, next year we're definitely going to do bags. I think we're going to go in the same direction as it being like a nice courier bag, uh, but there may be a different, well, it won't be the Dogu, it'll be a different uh, secret item inside. Which I think we might only make available to the lucky bag. Cool. Well, as someone that also needs a new courier bag. I also want to get bigger <laughs> ones, because I think those ones that I was looking at are made to hold, like, an iPad mini. Oh, <laughs> shit, I want yeah. One that, I want one that could be a bit bigger. Yeah. I want to, you know, hold, like, a laptop. It's that so, type of thing. Something more than just, like, yeah, I can put my cell phone and headphones in here. Mm-hmm. Yeah, fair. Yeah, like, I, I want to be able to hold stuff. <laughs> <laughs> huh. That's... Yeah, that sounds like a really cool idea. But goddamn, I just want that giant Dogu even more now. <laughs> I'll definitely have more. We're going to be doing the gray ones again in a larger release. We only did uh, 20 of those and then 10 of the light browns. Uh, and then there's, uh, right now, 20 of these, like, chocolate brown ones, which are, it's the same color as the chocolate brown, like, dogus with the black rub. Right, right. But the, uh, I think the first one that we're gonna do internationally is we're just gonna save up a bunch of the gray ones and then do them then. Either that or that, like, initial, like, mud color that we had for the first dogu release. Nice. That just, that feels right as well. Mm. <laughs> like... Yeah, I, I like those colors a lot. It's just, yeah, the more, like, earthen tones are just kind of like mm, yeah just like the museum pieces perfect mm-hmm. so oh it's exciting stuff uh a bondage wizard yet again cory extra patty add-on for cranston question mark i'm adding in there open on both ends be able to stack that burger man to the sky what do you think also yep, I would that's die exactly for what we're girl. doing <laughs> That's yeah. precisely the direction that I am going with the Cranston. It's going to be a while before I do it, because I'm actually, like, engineering it myself, where I'm cutting part off and fusing the bottom oh, bun in the wax onto it. But yeah, I'm making an infinitely stackable Cranston. Whoa. Uh, the thing I'm torn about right now is if every so like subsequent piece of meat will have the cheese on it, because that's two mm. other masks, and I need to look at burgers if they all have that. Maybe it'll be good if you rotate them and stuff, and they're, like, staggered. Yeah. yeah. But uh, the other thing I was considering is maybe doing, like, a really wide one that has, like, armholes in it and having, oh. like, meat arms and basically making it so you can have, like, a Cranston man. But then I kind of don't like the idea of, like, a hamburger golem. So, yeah, we <laughs> I definitely want to make an infinitely stackable Cranston. We're going to be doing that with the normal one, not the mini, because there is a mini Cranston as well. 
Um, wow. It's like gachapon size. It's like I think fifth, uh, maybe nine millimeters across. That's super rad, though. I love that. Oh. Yeah, that's, that's on the list. That the burger add-on was like already in the works. <laughs> as soon as I saw how like just flat the sculpt was and how generic it is, it's like, oh, I, I guess I could have just made this stack forever if I wanted to. <laughs> and yeah, having it like one side where it's bun then meat open bun meat open it can be stacked infinitely and then because the meat one's the bottom you can just stick the bun back on it and have it uh closed love it uh, also I, I think it was just him complimenting the, the he said frog girl initially but i think he's actually referring to the kappa who was beside oh the frog okay girl. uh so yeah he, he would uh, he would die for the kappa girl which can Oh, in Yokai Watch? No, no, in, in like your, like your. Uh, oh, oh, the Hakuto one. Okay. The Hakuto, yeah, there you go. <laughs> yeah, no, those they're, they're pretty great. So. <laughs> they're so, uh, they're so cute. I love those things. She does amazing work. Yeah, I, yeah, like I said, I was, I was impressed when I saw like the initial one. I think I saw the husk one first, and I was just like, "That's fucking adorable! Holy crap! I hope they make more." And then you made more, so. Yeah, you got you kind of like. You got your finger on the pulse to, like, what fans want. It's, it's pretty cool. Like <laughs> The the reason we went with the sticker cards is everyone does Bakuti. I love Bakuti Man. Like, those mm -hmm. square stickers yeah, yeah. that come with the cookies. But everyone does parody Bakuti Man. So what, the direction I went in is there's a thing. Do you, either of you remember Cardass? Oh, dude, I was going to say, like... Like, yeah, it, I don't really care for Bakuri Man, but, like, I've got Pokemon Cardass stuff. I had some mm -hmm. Digimon Cardass. The format are, is basically ripped directly from the Mega Man Cardass. Oh, nice. <laughs> yeah. That's the exact direction I went with it. And, and I was adamant about finding a place that could do the proper prism printing yeah, and yeah. stuff. <laughs> They're not as thick as I wanted them to be because... Uh, they can't increase the thickness of the backing paper, I guess, mm. without it being like insanely expensive. But originally, what I was going to do, because I have a mini Cardass machine, oh, nice. uh, and I was going to buy a full-sized one. I wanted to have a dispenser at the table. So every purchase, like you just turn the knob and you get a random one. Oh, cool. But yeah, that machine's heavy as fuck, <laughs> like the big one. The mini one doesn't hold a ton of them, mm. so I just started having a pile and I just gave them out at shows. <laughs> You are the card ass machine. I, that I sounds wish. Really and bad. they need to remake those things. <laughs> They're so nice. Yeah. Oh man, that's that's cool. That's yeah, yeah. Card ass is fun. It's kind of. I eventually want to make really. every toy ever, every toy that I've released. I I would like to have a sticker for each one of them. That'd be cool. Even if it's like a character, like oh, the bigger version of the Dogu, or like when I had the the, as long as it's not the do the Dogu, I might not actually do because it's just an enlarged version of it. Right. But like for the Namazu, there's the normal Namazu, there's the Dai Namazu, and then there's the the DX Namazu, which are all three different sculpts, oh. and none of them are the same. So that might be okay. That, yeah, that'd work out. I Have guess. all the stickers, and then eventually do like a, a book of some sort where it's the actual full size art of the girl character, mm -hmm. the description of uh, the toy when it was released, and the photos of the actual toy. Nice, kind of like a like a, a cryptid field guide. Yeah, like yeah. a little companion guide thing. Originally, I wanted to do a field guide thing oh, nice. for back when I was making just yokai and cryptids, but mm. you know, I can't make people think that Cranston's a real thing. Yes, you can. You totally, yeah, those seats were just sentient. 
please. I really liked being set on. <clears throat> in 70 years, when they're in Skumogami range, then maybe I can be like, yeah, yeah, they're all alive now, and they're super mad. I'm See, gonna... that's kind of, I, I thought that's kind of what you were going to go for as well with that. I'm going to write <laughs> a hundred-page novella mm-hmm. about Cranston, and then ask for your licensing rights. So I can so I can sell it online during Wonderfest period. Not here. It's just called fan fiction. You can just do it. Yeah, the, yeah. You just go nuts with it. Yeah, in the cr- West. cran fiction. Oh, <laughs> I, I I hate this. Uh, we accidentally discovered the episode title. Um, okay, uh, Mad Chill Mitch has got some questions for you. What are some okay. techniques in designer toy designs that you've always been a fan of but haven't had the opportunity to try? We're jointing. Uh, one of the best examples I can give for a toy that's really uniquely jointed in a way that makes it really, really interesting is Sun Guts makes a kappa that the mouth has a really long tongue sticking out of it. That tongue, is it, do either of you know the toy I'm talking about? I do, yeah. Not off the top of my uh, head, but I can Google it. So that tongue is actually part of the pore spout and the joint that's on the uh, the uh, the neck. It joints in there, He the mouth is open, and the tongue sticks out. So the tongue can it's... go back into the figure as well as be pulled. No, out no, it's it's just it's not a separate piece. It's integrated into the pore spout. <laughs> oh, oh. Yeah, it's really, really well designed. Oh, uh, I'm just getting pictures of uh, like a girl kappa in doggy style position. So uh, yeah, that, smile he, he has he has several kappa. I forget what this one's called, but it's just the the most genius jointing i've ever seen because it just makes it a whole other level if you really wanted that normally you'd have to have it be jointed and you couldn't get it at that really cool natural angle the fact that he did it on the joint yeah i guess see it yeah yeah okay that's that's cool that that's jointed like it's the best kappa toy i've ever seen it's super the colorways are always amazing it's really cleanly painted the eyes are really cleanly masked and stuff but just that tongue and when you rotate the head it's like the tongue goes to the sides it's really, really well done. Uh, I'm kind of sold on Titty Kappa, so... <laughs> yeah, th- that's the other direction he's in, is t- the, the world of the titty. That's, he's he's such a very a sweet, powerful world. Such a sweet man. But uh, the all the, the cool jointing stuff is something I've always wanted to play around with. Uh, he continues, Mad Chill Mitch continues... Uh, do you have any unknown, air quotes, Easter eggs in any of your designs, posts, etc. that are uh, that only you and your inner circle know of? Uh, without giving it away, can you elaborate? This is going to be disappointing, but I don't think I've actually laid any of the Easter eggs yet for a soon-to-be-coming project that I know people are going to like. That's gonna. I guess I'll give everyone a, 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 egg? a notification. Yeah, uh, starting I think maybe middle of February, uh, there will be something to to notice on posts. Ooh. It won't be obvious whatsoever. I'm gonna make it really subtle because I really want this uh, project to remain a secret until it's revealed. But. For those that notice, look in the backgrounds, again, maybe mid to end of February, you might notice something that you have have never seen 
uh, that, that shouldn't be there, <laughs> basically. Uh, he continues, what obscure influences do you cite um, that would surprise your fans, i.e. songs, a memory, comic book cover, personal event, etc.? Uh, here's another obscure, I guess this is a second parody character, Maurice the Frog with the Genitals. Uh, he's, he's a parody of two different things. So he himself is a parody of the character, uh, character Pickles the Frog, which is a, I believe Kodobukiya might own it. It's a very simple looking frog that just wears a bell around his neck and he has a white stomach and he's smiling. Uh, it's basically that character with a horribly mutated alien head, a dick, and, like, really just long, creepy arms. Uh, in the, the lore, he's the mascot for a, uh, like a transportation, like a train company that exists in, oh god, is it Agartha? I think the name of the, (laughs) there's a, there's a conspiracy theory called Hollow Earth. Okay, where, yeah, like, yeah. <laughs> and I, I think it's Agartha, I, I forget the name of the actual place, but that's the name of, like, the city in the Hollow Earth theories, that there's this world called that. So he's the mascot for that train system. And he the little bonus item it comes with is a plastic IC card, which is similar to, here we have the Suica card, yeah. which is like a, it's a plastic, it's like a Metro card, and it's a parody of the, I believe the Fukuoka-based uh, uh, card, like the art style is identical, I copied everything, oh, that's I, I made it all by hand, but it, it's it's heavily, even the back of it, the information, the, the verbiage and the layout is just, I've copied a Japanese Metro card, I remade it with all new stuff, but I just copied all of the sizing and spacing. So it's a parody of a character, and it's a parody of a transportation item. <laughs> that's pretty. That's pretty obscure. That's, that's yeah. Obscure. Not a lot of people bring up Hollow Earth much anymore. So <laughs> I listen to a lot of podcasts. I'm a, I'm a big fan of a last podcast on the left, oh, nice, and I also nice. listen to uh, uh, Unpopular Opinion does some conspiracy theory stuff. Okay, and then uh, I. I am not conservative or right-leaning whatsoever, but I listen to Coast to Coast AM all the time because those people are fucking crazy. Yeah. But I, but George Knapp is legitimately... Uh, I'm not a big George Norrie fan because he just feeds the uh, the right-wingers, but George Knapp is the guy that wrote like the book on Skinwalker Ranch and stuff. He's super, super interesting, and he's not a monster. <laughs> oh, that's, you know what? That's handy as well. I still need to watch that mm. documentary, though. Let's get mm. ranch. It's it's been on my radar, but I'm like, I have to like invest the afternoon for this. It's gonna be, it's gonna be wild. the book. The book hunt for the Skinwalker is really good too, mm-hmm. but man, is it dry? It's as dry as you would imagine. Yeah, a lot of times, like those books, like you get them and you're like, fuck yeah, weird, spooky shit, and then you're like, oh, this is worse than a textbook. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yep, <laughs> fell asleep real fast. Oh no. Yeah, I just want to see Robbie Williams talk about being batshit crazy. That's my favorite. <laughs> Who's the UK guy? Da- David Ike. David Ike. Yeah, I think he. I think that's his name. He was a football player, like a like soccer player. Yeah. And he is. He really is into the reptilian thing. Oh, that that sounds about right. I was talking about the old like again UK boy band yeah. man mm-hmm. <laughs> who's also yeah. just like I, I I have sex with UFOs. Asterisk. He so, some, someone has to. 
Someone's got to fuck those UFOs. Imagine yeah, those people are fucking Williams. nuts. Yeah. He's it, literally it's fun, loving though. angels instead. Wait, what? I'm sorry. I... <laughs> <laughs> Uh, my mom listens to trash. Uh, okay. Uh, <laughs> all right. The final question being asked by Mad Chill Mitch: Do you have any lingering projects that you have that have been on hiatus or the back burner that are constantly glaring at you? Yes. Um, the first one, which I don't think I'm actually going to finish, uh, is initially the first big, like, physically large toy I was going to make was a large version of the Melon Pan Kraken. Ooh, cool. It's like the little melon pan with the beak and the eye and the tentacles. Yeah. It was made from an actual melon pan, though. Um, I had taken a melon pan, like a melon bread. It's yeah. in the Japanese, uh, like, confectionery. Tasty. Or I guess, a, is it a cake? Or I don't know what it's technically called. Uh... <laughs> I had aged one for about two years until <laughs> so it was hard as a rock, and I covered it in uh, sealant, and I covered it in uh, surfacer, so it was just a solid rock, and I was going to make the mold of I was going to build the beak and the eye hole and stuff on there, and then build the tentacles out of clay, make the tentacles like more detailed than the actual one is, like bread on the outside and the inside, they had suction cups, and then the tail... He usually has like a stubby tail. Mm -hmm. uh, have either of you seen Shin Gojira? Yeah. You know the end where it shows his tail and it's just made of a bunch of just, people? Just a bunch of dudes. <laughs> uh, it was going to be that, but I was going to take the wax prototypes from the old Melon Pan Kraken oh, and make the no tail way. out of those. So oh. there'd be a bunch. The inside of his eye uh, spot is actually textured, so if you rub it, it looks like the inside of a skull socket. Uh, have a bunch of them like that. Some of them have eyes, others don't, in different forms of, like, mutation into this tail. And it was going to be big enough to sit on your shoulder. Like, it was grabbing onto your shoulder. Oh, that's cool. Uh, long story short, I accidentally dropped the melon pan on the ground, and it turned to dust. So, oh, no. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it wasn't as hard as I had thought it was, and I kind of thought that it's... This is before I made the big stupid dogu and stuff where I was really apprehensive about making a project that would be so big that it needed two molds for itself. Like, you know, two giant parts or three giant parts. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, it just... It became this project that I would have to start from scratch, finding, like, the perfect melon pan and redoing all of it. <laughs> so I think that's probably not going to happen. Uh, there's two knights, though. There's two uh, knights made in the Wild Hunt size and jointing system that I have the sculpts done and I need to just finish them. It's just finding the time to do it takes forever. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, those, those are the ones that are like... One of them, the little knights, are always looking at me. And then the... Uh, like, literally, on my work desk, they are just there looking at me. Just, just staring at uh, Waiting the melon pan, I, I have, like, the legs halfway finished, just sticking out of a box, so they're also kind of, like, presently haunting me. Do you think, oh, no. uh, do you think you'll revisit the melon pan at some point? Mm, I think I would want to change a bit about it. I might want to add more articulation to the, the tentacles and stuff, uh, but I also think that the character itself is, it's popular, but only when it's, like, painted like bread. Mm which gotcha. takes for 
ever. And I think doing something that size would be kind of a nightmare. So I honestly don't think I'm going to revisit that one. Uh, well, it yeah. lives on in all in of our our hearts and minds. Yeah. Uh, if I did, I don't think I would go as big. And if I did, it might be like maybe this big of a head and then a bunch of tentacles that are articulated. It's kind of like a more playable figure. But again, I'm not really sure uh, if I'm going to go with that. Just because there's just so many other projects and everything's kind of going in a a weird like a weird direction where I'm releasing things that are like traditionally things that I would release like a dogu or more things for wild hunt or more uh like little cute uh guys like the little small sun gachapon toy mm-hmm. and stuff but every so often i want to make like a stupid project like i consider i love the hammer the hammer was my first dream project oh nice and I, i'm glad people like it a lot which is surprising but i put that in the camp of like stupid projects <laughs> where it's not really like anything else i've made it's like oh it's literally a hammer uh, but I, I want to keep doing like random stuff like that. Nice. Hell yeah. Well, before we wrap things up, is there anything you want to, uh, plug or say to the people listening before we get on out of here? Uh, yeah. Thank you everyone, uh, around the world. Cause I've been shipping stuff to all sorts of countries and places I've never been. Uh, thank you all for your support and your understanding during like how crazy this time has gotten with shipping. It's been an absolute I'm not trying to sound like I'm suffering, but it's been, (laughs) the shipping has been a nightmare just because everything changes overnight. Uh, We had a massive issue last March where we took all the pre-orders for the Dogus and then the shipping got canceled for everything. So I need to hold all these orders and people are wondering where their stuff is, but obviously they understand, but you know, there's a point where it's three months later and it's like, where's my thing? It's like, we can't ship to your country yet. Yeah. Like, do you want a refund? It's like, no, I, I don't want these things. It's like, then you, you have to wait. Like everyone's been super great and super understanding. So thank you all so much. Uh, and thank you for continuing to support me and all of the really stupid stuff I make. Uh, when I say stupid stuff, I don't want anyone to think that I'm trying to do things that I think people are going to think are dumb. I want to continue making things that are so stupid that you're like, oh, yeah, I actually do like this. <laughs> Again, I, I call back to Cranston being one of the more recent stupid ones where it's people like that stupid-ass hamburger. <laughs> like, it's a thing people <laughs> like. And I want to keep... I want to... Basically, it's, it's, it's so stupid that it's fun. And I'm glad that people have identified with the things that I've released because it, it all seems like it's in a bunch of different worlds sometimes. Like the Dogus and Cranston and... Uh, the Estes Flask all feel like they're from three different people. <laughs> but yeah, thank you all for the support. Uh, and uh, I hope everyone is happy with all of their, their things that they got when they finally arrive, uh, however long that might take. <laughs> and uh, just keep your eyes peeled again mid to late February. Uh, there will possibly be a thing that shouldn't be in the background of some photos that uh, if you're if you're keen, you'll notice it, and uh, hopefully you will be very very excited about oh, yeah. it. Nice. Yeah. Well, thanks for coming on the show. Thanks for chatting with us. Yeah, it was a really good you. time. Thanks for having me. Yeah. Tony, was there anything you need to say to the people? You know it. If you enjoyed this episode, please rate and review us on iTunes. I I'm gonna keep saying that, even though I don't think iTunes is really that relevant anymore. Uh, share us on Spotify. Listen to us on Stitcher. If you want to hang out with us, we have a Discord. Links to that are easily available. If you want to follow us, 
Logan's weird and reclusive. You can't follow him anywhere, but you can follow me, Tony Velocity, on pretty much everything. Follow Corey, which is at Science Patrol, on Instagram. You're also on Twitter, right? It's actually uh, at Science underscore Patrols. Science wow. Patrol was, was taken. I'm a piece <laughs> of shit. <laughs> you're, you're fine, you're fine. Well, I, yeah, at Science underscore underscore mm, mm, at science <laughs> underscore patrols on instagram and and i do, i do great. have social media i just uninstalled <laughs> twitter from my phone and i only sign in to bitch at local uh government officials who left the country during this lockdown period yeah, so, uh. <laughs> as, as you should. Do that as well, bitch. Yes. No, that's technically doxing. Uh, thank you so much for listening. Thank you so much for coming on again, Corey. Really appreciate it. And we'll see you next week, listeners. All right, and remember, folks, a Boba Fett for a Greedo is a notoriously bad trade. We'll see you next time. See ya. That's it. We did it. We made okay, let me kill this. Made that happen.